I know that Scott wanders around and sings gospel tunes and things like that with you, so I thought I would. Uh, as I talked with Scott about this morning's worship, he mentioned this is your semi-programmed worship, and he asked me to introduce that briefly, so I do want to keep it brief and, and informal. Um, Delighted to have the opportunity to be with you. I'm delighted to be anywhere after those two heart-stopping Guilford College games yesterday afternoon. I don't know if any of you were here uh, or there for that, but uh, the men won in overtime after missing six of their last eight free throws. Um, The women uh, won by two points in the last two seconds of the game, so I'm happy to be anywhere. I think a cardiac center sponsors the games at Guilford these days. Uh, it took those three cups of coffee just to jumpstart me this morning. Uh, I'm delighted that when I met with Scott earlier this week over coffee to talk about today, I mentioned what I was beginning to think about in terms of my brief sharing this morning, introducing your more extended open worship I mentioned that I would probably be sharing from Thomas Kelly and his talk about you know, the center of our Quaker worship, and that is that deep within us all is an inner sanctuary, uh, a Shekinah of the soul where God dwells, where we may in the silence commune literally with that spirit, with that light, with that divine presence that can then lead us, guide us, and direct us. And so, you know, he included in today's bulletin an excerpt from Thomas Kelly's Testament of Devotion that talks about that. And I want to read that for you. It's in your bulletin, but uh, for those of you who may, like me, need extended arms to read it, It's from Thoughts for Reflection. Within us all is a slumbering miracle, a latent Christ, a light, a power, an immediacy with God. To find this indwelling Christ actively, dynamically working within us, is to find the secret that Jesus wanted to give young men and women. It isn't a matter of believing in the inner light. It is a matter of yielding your lives to him. It is a matter of daily, hourly, going down in the Shekinah of the soul, in the silence, finding yourselves continually recreated and realigned and corrected again and again from the warping effects of outer affairs. That term Shekinah is the term that I want to expand on in in these brief comments. Some of you may know that term from some contemporary gospel songs. You may have heard it referred to as the Shekinah. Uh, It's kind of a popular term, but most people don't have any clue what it means. It's the Hebrew word for the presence of God in the Holy of Holies in the Jerusalem temple. It's feminine. That's interesting. It's the feminine presence of God in the Holy of Holies. And that may not mean much to to folk who don't understand the whole complex of that Jerusalem temple. 
The Holy of Holies was where God's presence dwelt on earth. And only the high priest of Israel went into the Holy of Holies. No one else. And that person only on one day of the year, on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. It was such an awesome experience that the high priest actually had a scarf or a piece of his outer garment that extended outside, kind of a train, so that if he were struck dead by being in the presence of God, they could drag his dead corpse out of the Holy of Holies. It was that awesome an experience. That's the presence that Thomas Kelly is talking about that dwells inside us. It's in our sanctuary of the soul. He talks about continually in the Testament of Devotion that deep within us all is that divine center. Now, Jane and I have led about 23 different groups uh, or made trips over to uh, Israel and Palestine. We're going again this July. We still have two spots. Uh, and one of the most remarkable places that we visit, of course, other than the Quaker work in Ramallah and Rukab's ice cream store, is Mount of Olives and the Temple Mount area where you can see that temple complex, even in its destruction. They've now excavated down to ground level. We tour through what it must have been like 2,000 years ago to look up at that eight-story tall foundation wall on which the 43-acre platform was created by Herod the Great artificially, on top of which was the 10 to 12-story high temple. When you stand on the Mount of Olives and look at it, even today, it's enormously impactful. Then when you go down into the excavations and look up just at the retaining wall, it's amazing. You can only imagine what peasants at the time, coming from their rural villages, must have felt when they came up the steps through the archways and saw the temple itself. And then knowing that inside that holy of holies, the very presence of God. Now, one of the things that's remarkable is that Jesus saw that same setup from the Mount of Olives, if you remember from the Gospels. And what did he say? Meh. <laughs> Day's coming when there won't be one stone on top of another. And he was speaking out of a prophetic understanding that some of you may recognize from the prophets who had also seen that temple in all of its glory. This is Isaiah's rendition of speaking the word of God about this enormous complex and institution of that temple from chapter 1. When you come to appear before me, who requires of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of assemblies I cannot endure. 
your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They've become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen, for your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. The prophets recognized that people were caught up in the institution, in all of that glory, and were missing what that Shekinah was calling us into, a life of justice and compassion and love. Last night after I survived the basketball games, I went to uh, Guilford Theater Department's production of Godspell. That gave me another heart attack. Guilford was putting on Godspell. Uh, and again, in that very contemporary, well, for us hippies from the 70s, <laughs> presentation of the gospel, you saw again Jesus saying, I want to hear your prayers. You know, when you pray, go silently, essentially into your own inner sanctuary and pray in secret. For God will hear in secret. Don't make these displays out in public. Well, one of the things that continues to impact me is that when we go to Jerusalem and view the Temple Mount area, the Haram al-Sharif in Arabic, there are still people worshiping there in great devotion. You've seen pictures of the Western Wall, uh, the Wailing Wall, uh, the Kotel in Hebrew, uh, the most holy site in all of Jerusalem. Israel, in all of Judaism, because that western wall, although it's just a foundation wall, part of that eight-story high foundation wall, not even of the temple itself, but just of the platform on which the temple stood, that western wall is the closest until recently that people could come to where the Holy of Holies was, because it's still understood that the Shekinah, the presence of God, is there in that rubble underneath the Dome of the Rock, somewhere in there. They've never found a trace, in fact, of the temple itself. Just assume that it's when it was destroyed by the Romans in 70 of the Common Era, it's somewhere there in the rubble. But God's presence is still there. That's why you put those slips of paper in the cracks in that wall. It's as close as you're going to get to that Shekinah. Recently, they dug a tunnel, excavated a tunnel along the extent of the Western Wall, so you can get even closer. And there is now an alcove in there where the ultra-Orthodox, the Haredi, have their prayers because they're even closer to that Shekinah, that Holy of Holies. And the thought I want to leave with you as we go into our silent worship is that until recently... You know, the Quaker in was saying, what on earth? I mean, why are they wanting to get so close to this rubble, this you know, remnant of the Holy of Holies thing? The Shekinah still actually asked our guide once, do they really believe that God is still in there? And I said, yes. The scripture says, my presence will never leave you. 
O Jerusalem. So they believe that the Shekinah is still in there. And the Quakering is saying, you know, that just doesn't make sense. You know, it, wouldn't God be everywhere? Why would you focus there? But then it hit me. Isn't that exactly where God needs to be in our lives? In the wreckage? In the rubble? In those things that have destroyed us? Isn't that where we need to come into the presence of God? In those very places, in the rubble of our lives? Knowing that deep within us all is that divine center, that Shekinah, that presence, that light, that power, which will overcome, which will lead us into recreation and renewal. As we center down into that place in our own lives, in the silence, hope that you too can experience that light, that life, that power that Kelly, that Christ, that friends for 350 years have described is present to each and every one of us.